Well, welcome into the 48 Days Radio Show. Have you ever thought to yourself, I know what to do, but I can't make myself do it? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we're going to jump back into your questions today. Last couple of weeks here during the holidays had some other kind of themes. Last week, boy, last week, if you remember that, I had the theme, we don't see the world as it is, we see the world as we are. Got probably more response to that than anything I got all last year. I told in there my own story of recovering physically recovering my health. And apparently that is a common theme with a whole lot of you. Heard from a whole lot of you and grateful for that. Thankful to interact with you and happy to share any tips that I can. I'll share a little bit more about that. But, you know, that was just one of those that really had to do with mindset. You know, my journey back health-wise had more to do with mindset than it did with anything physically. And I did some really specific physical things and continue to do those today. Well, anyway, hope you're encouraged by that to start, create, plan, execute, act on your own health journey. If you need to do that, again, here at the beginning of the year, great time to do it. Well, some of the questions we're going to look at today, what does it mean when someone knows what to do but doesn't do it? Somebody says, I've struggled with a lack of commitment and find myself in the same place I was a year ago. I think I've been stuck so long in this state that I can't remember my passions. And then a mom asked, our 20-year-old son came home for Christmas break and informed us he will not be going back to college for spring semester. Well, we're going to unpack those, a wide variety of things. They're interesting for sure, but it will help us all kind of frame how we move forward, doing the things we want to do, deciding what kind of life we want to live, and then making it happen. So our quotation for today is just an old German proverb that says, begin to weave and God will give you the thread. I like that. We don't just wait until we see everything finished in advance. I mean, my phrase for this year is find the wormhole. That means I want to find that process that collapses time and space. So it's not just a linear organic progression towards the things that I want, but there's something that'll give me monumental leap forward. I don't know what it is, but I'm looking, I'm expecting, I'm anticipating, I'm believing. <laughs> so anyway, I do a lot of beginning to weave and just hopeful that God's going to show up and give me the thread. And I know you do too. For a resource today, I want, you, I want to just direct you right back to 48days.com webinar. Now, that's already happened. I did the webinar on finding your sweet spot, but you can go to there to catch the replay. There's worksheet there to help you walk through that process. How do you find that sweet blend, that convergence of passion, talent, and money? That's what I talked about. If you need that encouragement, go back there and jump on that. I also want to remind you we were coming up to the beginning of our Think and Grow Rich book study. We're going to kick it off on the 19th with a movie night, watching a movie together. 
Think and Grow Rich. Now, the movie was uh, produced back in 2017, but it draws from the principles of Napoleon Hill way back in 1937 when the book was released. And then we're going to set up the schedule beginning on the 25th of January in our Monday mentor call in the Eagles community, Think and Grow Rich. No, no cost for that, but Think and Grow Rich, the book study walking through beginning with desire, going into imagination, decision-making, all those kind of things that is so famous for. I can't wait. Looking forward to that. Well, a couple of good news things here, just interesting things. Here's one. If you're looking for something interesting to do, check this out. There's a film, film festival who's looking for a person to spend seven days alone watching movies in a remote lighthouse. Yeah, let me run that by you again. I mean, does locking yourself up somewhere all alone for a week and just watching movies sound like your idea of bliss? Well, this film festival is looking for you. The Gothenburg Film Festival is conducting a pandemic cinema experiment in the form of a contest. One candidate chosen from applicants will be treated to a week's stay at the site of the historic Paternoster Lighthouse located on a little tiny island of Hemnesgar off the west coast of Sweden. Now, while there, you're going to get free room and board along with unlimited access to this year's festival roster of films. Now, it says they will be totally isolated, not allowed to bring anyone, of course, but also no phone, not even a book. This will only be this person, the sea, the waves, the sky, and the 60 different premieres that were screened at the festival. So you're going to be on a little tiny island with a lighthouse, but there's living quarters there. So you'll be there all by yourself. Now, does this sound like, does that sound like a really cool experiment for you? What they're doing is they're trying to experiment with how social distancing has transformed the movie watching experience. When you think about it, you know, most movies are premiered in theaters. So we go there and there's a whole lot of people there. You hear the crowd response, the ahs and oohs and ahs and claps and whatever. Well, with what's happened this last year, that's not the case. So they really are researching, how is this going to make a difference? What is the experience like to watch a movie, perhaps all by yourself or with just one or two other people? So they're checking this out. And this really is an experiment. This is going to take place from January 30th. So it's coming up soon, January 30th through February 6th. The winner will live in the lighthouse keeper's home. And then all the movies, all the only thing you have access to, this is not like you have access to TV to choose your movies. It's going to be the 60 movies that are premiering at this festival. Now, I'll, I'll actually, I'll, I'll put the application site in the show notes. But there really is an application you can fill out to be one of the contestants. I'd love for one of you to be the winner of that. Not sure that it's appealing to me. But uh, I'm not much of a movie watcher anyway, and I can't imagine going through 60 movies in a week all by myself. Not my idea of fun, but if it is for you, a fun opportunity, I wanted to share that with you. Well, here's another one. A 91-year-old lady lands her dream job as a designer in Silicon Valley. You know, we hear a lot about age discrimination and all that, but you know, these days, companies, organizations are looking for people who can produce, people who can do something. And age, background, academic qualifications, history are not as important as 
what did you do in the last six months? We want to see what you're capable of producing. So here's the deal. It took almost 80 years, but Barbara Beskind has defined, has defied the stereotypes of aging and is finally working in her dream job. Again, she's 91 years old. She says since she was 10, she always wanted to be an inventor, but in high school was told that girls couldn't get into engineering school. Now, 91 years old, she works for IDEO, IDEO, it's a design company, as a design consultant specializing in products for the elderly. Her retirement community provides the, provides the perfect testing ground, she says, for her ideas. She built an ingenious support device for one neighbor that helps her get up from the couch. She invented a device that uses a magnifying glass with a modified clipboard so she can read the newspaper. Well, so on and so forth. But she really did. She got a job. She's 91 years old, got a job. IDEO, incidentally, is a design consulting firm. It has offices in the U.S., England, Germany, Japan, China. So there's a one place in Palo Alto, California, which is where this lady is working. But they use a thinking approach to design new product services. They actually developed the first mouse for Apple. So it's that company. I hope that's encouragement if you are in your 60s, 70s, 80s, or perhaps 90s, still looking for an opportunity. Yeah, there are companies that will value you. Okay, so here's this question. I don't know what to do. comes from Chuck. He says, Dan, what's it mean when someone knows what to do but doesn't do it? There's probably a term for that. Well, there was more to his note, but... I know this gentleman, but anyway, I responded back and said, Chuck, you really don't want to ask me what's it mean when somebody knows what to do but doesn't do it. There's probably a term for that. Yeah, there are terms for that, and you don't want any of them attached to your name because they sound like procrastinator and sluggard. I also reminded Chuck of some of the the pretty harsh scriptures that go along with that. In Romans 7.15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Well, and then in James 4.17, if everyone then, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Ouch. Well, my encouragement is identify the good results that would come from moving forward with your idea. In this, gentleman, in this case, the gentleman has an idea about something he wants to do. It's a really valid idea. And he's had the idea for several years and hasn't done anything. He's just hanging on to what he has because what he has provides good income. There's really no pressure. Well, that's one of the issues here. But if you really have a good idea, you're going to regret it if you don't act on it. Now, what are some of the reasons people we don't act? I mean, all of us, not just for Chuck, but, you know, we all have things like that where we know what to do. We know what an idea that we have or we know what we should do and we don't do it, well, we give you just some kind of basic principles here for why we do that. I mean, one is just being comfortable, not having a burning desire. Now, that's the very first characteristic we're going to talk about in Think and Grow Rich, having a burning desire. You know, without that, yeah, you, a lot of us just get in, set in what I call comfortable misery, it's not great, but it's not terrible. It's just comfortable misery. That's why a lot of times it takes some kind of inciting incident, some kind of a precipitating situation. You know, the train gets off the track before we take action. And that's why I hear from so many of you who lost a job and it's a terrible, horrible thing. You're going to not be able to go on vacation. Blah, blah, blah. And then two months later, you say, oh my gosh, that's the best thing that ever happened to me because it prompted me to look at options. And now I'm doing something way more fulfilling, way more profitable than I've ever done in my life. 
I hear those stories all the time. So anyway, just being comfortable, not having a burning desire is one of those reasons we kind of just get stuck in the status quo. Distractions. There are a lot of those. There are a whole lot of other things that get our attention. And we all we all are busy. I mean, that's the thing. You don't just automatically have the time or money to go into something new. We have to be intentional about those, both of those, time and money. All of us are busy. It doesn't matter if you're unemployed. I hear from people who are so busy. Gee, dropping kids off, taking them to the dentist, picking up the, the dry cleaning. They're busy, even if they don't currently have a job. A lot of distractions. Well, we have excuses. Here, I would encourage you to share what your idea is. Share what it is you want to do, what you know you should do. Share it with a couple other people. So you have a little bit of built-in accountability. We have a lot of people do that in Eagles community. They say, I want to share this just for the accountability. I had one gal just this week who's an incredible artist. Her art is just breathtaking. And she says, I need to just have some accountability because I don't carry through with this. I know what I can do, but I, I'm not selling anything. I just don't carry through. And so we're going to be gently nudging her along, believe me. So excuses. If you need some people around to kind of help you move forward, share what your idea is and ask them to hold you accountable. Um, misuse of negativity. You know, sometimes we, we know what the negative things would be if we move forward and it didn't work out, as an example. But as you've heard me talk about many times here, uh, this law of attraction, the secret, whatever you want to call it, we attract into our life those things that we think about most. So if you think about the downside, what could happen, yes, you tend to draw those things in. Just like a couple weeks ago, I talked about whatever we put after I am, we draw more of into our lives. I am busy. I am exhausted. I am not as smart as the next guy in the room. You draw more of those things. Those become bigger and bigger. Change those. Say, I am capable. I am confident. I am competent. I mean, those are the things you want to draw in. Say those instead of the negatives. Well, just money alone does not motivate us. Maybe another reason you don't move forward. It may not be the monetary reward, but there's a whole lot of other reasons for doing things that you know ought to be done or things that your heart is telling you to do, that God is calling you to do. Doesn't have to be money, be other things. Well, sometimes it comes down to just lack of ambition, being lazy or a sluggard, like I kind of alluded to when you know what to do and don't do it. Yeah, we could easily move into those kind of descriptors, those terms as well. And you certainly don't want that attached to you. Lack of ambition, being lazy. Boy, there's few things that make me cringe more than that. The idea, the idea of being what the Bible describes as a sluggard. Ooh, wow, that gets under my skin just saying the word. Well, uncertainty can be another thing. I mean, there's a lot of things that can kind of keep us from doing what it is we want to do, but identify what it is that's holding you back. You know, identify what are those things that are keeping you from doing what you know you want to do. All right, let me move on. I got a note, got a note from a young guy named Cody. And he says, uh, Dan, I don't know if you remember me or not. Or not. I mean, emailed you a few months ago. You sent me a very genuine message. Yeah, I do remember. You know, he was uh, dealing with some addiction issues, was overcoming that, getting on track with his life, got involved in a, a trial membership we had in the Eagles community, and we were really encouraging him. And then he said, man, I just, you know, I, I'm really working to make things work, but I can't afford this. So I gave him a six-month membership. All right? You know what I heard from him? Nothing. It went totally silent. So now a year has passed. That was a year ago in December. 
A year has passed. And he reaches back out. Says, yeah, you know, I got a job. I'm doing okay. You know, making 15 bucks an hour. But uh, I thought I was going to get a promotion where I was. And I studied for the new promotion. It would have been a move up to a service writer at an auto dealership. And he said, then I came in one morning, they'd given that position to somebody else. So, you know, I quit. I just need to go out and get another $15 an hour job and went on with where he is. And I said, you know what? I said, I do remember you. And while I identified in giving him some advice a year ago with his personality and his background, you know, ADD and all the other things that may be attached to a young guy like this. I said, you know, you're likely to really want change, challenge, and variety. But that doesn't mean you jump as soon as there's any kind of a problem. Because what's happened now after a year, every time there's some kind of a challenge, he just jumps. Guess what he jumps to? Another $15 an hour job. So, and now he's saying, wow, he's really enamored with uh, Dave Ramsey material. He's going through that for the first time. He really wants to work for Dave Ramsey. And I said, you have to have more, a more, more of a track record of success in your life. I said, I couldn't recommend you to Dave knowing what I've seen about you so far. I said, you need to have a little more of a track record of success. I said, the fact that your boss didn't promote you in that position, that may have just been a test to see, are you really persistent? Are you going to stick around? Are you going to work through that seeming setback? But what did you do? You bailed again. You're gone. Well, <laughs> he, he wrote back to me and it says, thank you for the reality check. I can see how sporadic this year has been for me. Yes, I am in virtually the same position I was at the end of the last year. I've struggled with a lack of commitment. Um, and he says he recently got Think and Grow Rich. I had encouraged him to do that. And uh, anyway, he said, I appreciate you not just tickling my ears and being completely honest with me and showing me the kind of impression that my behavior has had on you. I hope you and your family have a very happy new year. God bless you. And, you know, I'm so appreciative of that, Cody. I mean, I love the fact that you are teachable. If you're not teachable, it once again shuts the door to your future progress. But the fact that you are open, that you are listening, man, that's a positive sign. I think this year is going to be transformative for you. I'm totally confident that it can be. You're learning these lessons. Yeah, it takes a little time. But learning the lessons opens the door to new things in the future. Well, hey, just a reminder, we are listening to questions from you, the listeners. Thanks for sending those in. Love hearing your questions, your challenges, your success stories as well. Get a lot of those. We appreciate it for those. Just shoot all of those in to askdan at 48days.com. And questions you've got for upcoming show, send them in to askdan at 48days.com. Travis says, hi, Dan, I've read most of your 48 days to the work you love. It's been very helpful. Many of the stories you tell in the book are very similar to my own. Personally, I'm a little stuck. To keep it short, I was raised with a strong work ethic, meaning that you just work and provide no matter what or how. The idea of finding your passions was certainly not part of the equation. I think I've been so long in this state that I can't remember my passions, you give pointers in your book about how to identify your passions, but I'm still a little bit stuck there. I'd love to hear you elaborate more 
about how to do that. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for writing, Travis. Thanks for being a reader and a listener of the 48 Days material. You know, a lot of us were raised where, I mean, I certainly was, where we never talked about passions. We never talked about joy and fulfillment and meaning and purpose in the work that we did. You just worked because you needed to. You do what's responsible. You do whatever it takes. So you just bite the bullet and go to the salt mine every morning with your little lunchbox. Well, you know, I don't believe that. So I had to grow out of that, learn how to get out of that. And I want to encourage you to do so as well, Travis. But the idea of finding your passions, you know, it's as I write about in Wisdom Meets Passion, your passion often is more developed than it is discovered. So it's not like it's there full blown and you somehow had to magically discover what that is. No, you start moving toward things that you're interested in. And as you do those and develop competencies and skill in an area, your passion will grow along with that. So passion is like the intersection of multiple curiosities. So here's how this can work. And I want to, Travis, if you'll send me, just send me again to askdan48days.com, your address, I'll send you a copy of Wisdom Meets Passion. I want you to have that. I'll send you a, a copy of the book and a copy of the audio as well. Finding your passion. So you follow your curiosity. Now, here's where it really gets exciting because we move past just having passion. Passion in and of itself doesn't mean anything. Again, when, uh, what I just talked about in the webinar, you know, finding your sweet spot is combining your passion with talent, with money. So passion just by itself, yeah, it can be a hobby. It can be just an area of interest, but it doesn't do much to move the needle or change the world until it's combined with talent and money. So when you attach your passion then to something that you see as a big problem in the world that you'd like to help solve, I mean, whatever that is. I mean, yesterday I had Michael McGreevy on in our mastermind talking about a school that he has developed in Pakistan. Kind of a seemed to be a coincidental kind of connection over the internet. Turns out it wasn't coincidental at all. There's a whole bunch of things that lined up, but he now has funded a school that has 250 kids in it. I mean, what a cool thing when you see something that's a real challenge and you decide you want to make a difference there, you move into that with your passion, and all of a sudden, you have a formula for purpose. That's how that works. Passion, you identify a problem, come up with a plan, act on it. Purpose, now you're moving into your purpose. Wow, great question. Be confident you can do that. Follow that path And you can discover what your passion is and turn that into something meaningful. And I hope you share with us six months from now what that was and what you did. This question comes from Curtis. Dan, thanks for investing in people. Your point of view has definitely impacted me. I'm finishing up my goals for 2021. After some success in 2020, some questions arose. What do you do with three-year goals that you didn't hit? Do they become one-year goals or do you repeat them as three-year goals? Do we reevaluate and adjust them as necessary? How would you attack this obstacle? I find myself making excuses when I fear something. Having realized what's happening, how should I or would you attack the fear in order to conquer it? Is there a process where you train yourself to react a specific way instead of responding to the fear by making excuses? 
Maybe a better way to ask it is how do I develop a reaction plan and train myself to respond correctly? All right, great questions, Curtis. There, as I've shared, when I put something on as a goal, I think I've got about a 50-50 chance of hitting it. So there's a lot of things where at the end of the year, I recognize I didn't completely achieve a goal that I set. So sure, I'm going to bring a lot of those on over. If it's writing a book or writing a series of books or getting 10,000 members in a 48 Days Eagles community, I mean, if those things don't happen in a given period of time, I'm going to keep them there. I'll keep bringing them back as part of the new goals that I set. So yeah, you can make that a one-year goal if you want to. But the thing is, you know, when you find yourself making excuses, when you fear something, that's where you have to decide. You have to decide and decide. You know, the word comes from the same word as homicide, suicide. It means something's going to die. You're going to kill something. Decide. I, I mean, I love that it's that strong a word. Decide what it is you want to do. And then don't get caught up in some of the things that I've already mentioned here. You know, excuses, distractions, those kind of things. No, if it's a burning desire, then work through the excuses you've been making, get through the fear that seems to come with that. You don't have to make the fear go away. I mean, there's a lot of things you can just decide that you can just move into the things that you decide that you're going to do. Hey, and I got another question here that kind of relates to that. It comes from Charles who says, Dan, I really enjoyed your podcast. We see the world as we are. I've been on a similar journey. I've also heard the cold shower method described as the James Bond shower. Anyway, two quick questions. He says, and I want, I want to tie this into the, the question from Curtis here as well about you know finding your passions, knowing what it is you want to accomplish in your goals and how to move toward those. So, Charles says he has two quick questions. Where did you move? I live in Florida. So if you move to Florida, please let me know if you plan any events. Could you talk a little bit more about item three? I had in my list of seven things last week that I'm going to do this year. Mindset being number three. What exactly did you do with your mindset that you found helpful? Thanks for all your work of bringing encouragement into the world. All right. I talked a lot about last week about this idea of mindset being the precursor, being meaning what comes first before you achieve goals, before I start on a diet, before I have ex- exercise, before I create a plan of fasting or showers. Now, I mentioned some of those things, and a lot of you ask about more details on those. It, it seemed the cold showers got more attention than anything. I talked about just I've been made aware that the idea of cold shower in the morning, of course, Tony Robbins, you know, immerses himself in an ice bath. Other people, Brendan Bouchard, there are others that do that. Just the invigorating effect of immersing yourself in cold water like that. I'm not doing the ice baths, but I am doing the cold showers. And I decided that I would do the 20 days, the 20 weekdays in January, every single one, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the next week, then I take Saturday, Sunday off and then do the next week. But I decided, so I didn't kind of just say, well, I'll see what happens. No, I decided I was going to do that. So as of right now, as of listening to this, I've done 10 of those. So half of the 20. Now, what I did on that incidentally, and maybe this will help you because I don't just turn the water on cold and then just cringe and jump in. I don't do that. I go ahead and take a regular warm shower, shampoo, lather, wipe, 
you know, shower off, rinse off and everything. And then while I'm standing under the shower, then I take the knob and turn it totally to cold. So there's about a five second transition there and then it becomes totally cold. But that's different for me than just walking into a cold shower, having come in from outside or another room in the house or whatever. No, so it's, there's a transition, but then I stand there and then I just count off the seconds. You know, right now I'm at 45 seconds and by the end of the month, I will be at a minute. I know I can do that because frankly, already the last 10 seconds are easier than the first 10. So the extension of time doesn't seem to be much of a problem at all once I'm in that long. So I'm doing that. And again, it's just something I decided. Now, I didn't, I didn't say that I'm going to do it every day for the entire year. I don't know about that yet. I wanted to experiment with it. And so I'm doing it for those 20 days. But I, I printed off a sheet a checklist, and I check it off. So I see it right here in the wall in front of me. I check it off. And if it's not there, I'm going to see that. But once I decided, I don't want to see any breaks in that sequence. Now, another thing that I've done, and again, I I don't go into a lot of detail on this because I'm certainly not an expert on it, but I'm experimenting with fasting. Now, we're hearing from a lot of people who are doing extended fast here at the beginning of the year. Some churches are doing like 10 days, and some people do 20 days. I've never done anything that extensive. But I've done some three-day ones, and so I decided that I would do that consistently here in January. Again, I've just committed to January, but where I eat dinner on Sunday night, and then I don't eat anything until Wednesday night, just water in between. So as I'm recording this, it is Wednesday morning. I haven't had anything to eat since Sunday night. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not wanting a pat on the back for that. It's just something I decided in advance. I'm going to experiment with it and see what it does. Now, for one thing, I'm noticing already how quickly it trims me up. You know, I can work on that old Miller ring around my, my middle that I don't want to have. It has an immediate effect on that. And yeah, it's... Um, it is an effective way to lose weight, but more than anything, for me, it's a spiritual discipline. It's the deciding, it's the mindset. I mean, I'm not attracted to food. I mean, we've gone out with friends for dinner in times where I have been fasting, where I don't have anything to eat. And it's not some big, you know, monumental challenge because I decided it in advance. That's what I encourage you to do is decide. Then it'll help you get through fear to help you go back to those goals that you didn't reach. Boom. Incidentally, asking about yeah, moving to Florida. Yeah, we moved to Osprey. It's a beautiful community in between Sarasota and Fort Myers. Um, I don't have any plans to do live events here. Now that there are some exceptions to that. My mastermind, it continues to come here. We meet together in person. But other than that, not planning to do any big events this year for sure with the uncertainty still out there. Nah, just going to wait on that. Well, I'll let you know if we, if we, uh, when we do decide to start doing some things. This question comes from Susan who says, as an Eagle, I recently listened to your December 18th post in Mighty Networks in our Eagles community about unique selling proposition. Thank you so much for that post. With our passion for for being a help to others in the area of marriage and parenting, would you say that the fact that we've successfully raised seven children could be a USP, our unique selling proposition? And Susan says, we don't claim to be perfect parents, nor are our children perfect, but we had good success doing it God's way. Well, yes, I would consider that. You know, that gives immediate credibility to you being a coach, you being a help to others in the area of marriage and parenting. The fact that you have seven children, that's certainly not common these days, and that you can show the success that your kids have had 
how they're unique, wonderful creatures on their own. I know, uh, Susan, I know you've done some interesting, some amazing world travel together as a family. I mean, those things do add to your credibility. Absolutely, you want to use those. One of the things that Joanna and I ask a lot about these days is our long-term marriage. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who in this career space or in this building the business space can tell you how to get more Facebook likes, how to get more blog subscribers and all those things. But there's not a whole lot of people out there who have had the long-term entrepreneurial marriage that Joanna and I have. A lot of times entrepreneurial ventures destroy marriages. We realize that there's no boundaries to the work. There's insecurity, there's ups and downs, and a lot of people's marriages don't survive. That breaks our hearts. So we do speak into that arena, and that has a lot to do with my unique selling proposition at this point. So sure, drawing from the successes you've had in your own life in the area in which you want to coach is a beautiful setup for your USP and what you want to do. All right, one more here. This comes from Robin, who says, Dan, our 20-year-old son came home for Christmas break and informed us he will not be going back to college for spring semester. He's dealing with depression and lack of direction. My husband and I are big fans of, of you. We've read your books, listened to your podcast. We've told our son about you and the products and services uh, that you offer, but there are so many options. Our son's already feeling overwhelmed. What would be a good starting point for him? He thinks he would like to start a business, but has no idea what type of business to start. Should he start with one of your books, do the 48 days online seminar, sign up with a coach with so many, many great options. We're not sure which one he should start with. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Well, thanks for your uh, question, Robin. Um, your, your son, you probably ought to, uh, thank goodness, your son probably just saved you a whole lot of money. Uh, going to college when you have no idea what you want to do and are discouraged in any way, is certainly not a good use of time or money. Now, that being said, incidentally, I, I already communicated with Robin. She realizes this and got her address, and I've already sent her a copy for her son. No more dreaded Mondays. That was my recommendation. So I sent the hardback book and the audio set. No more dreaded Mondays. Happy to do so. Thanks for your question here and a setup for what a lot of people are dealing with. But in No More Mondays, that was that came after 48 Days to the Work You Love because 48 Days to the Work You Love is primarily a focus for the application being, how can I get a traditional job? Well, a lot of people are saying, I'm not sure I want another J-O-B. You know, I'm tired of being jerked around and being vulnerable by a company that can just let me go on a whim. And I acknowledge that right at the very end, the last two chapters of 48 Days to the Work You Love, I said, you know, maybe you're thinking you aren't sure you want another job. There are other options. So the next book that I wrote then was No More Dreaded Mondays. And in that, I addressed, how do you take an idea? I mean, maybe just a simple idea, something you did as a kid. How do you take that and turn it into profitable, meaningful, fulfilling work today. So that is the one that I recommend that he read. In there, again, it doesn't mean that you have to be a raving entrepreneur. He may decide at some point that he does want to go back to college, and that's fine. But I want to add something else here. This last week, just on Thursday, I went to, uh, it was a men's luncheon here in the community where I live, and David Hole, H-O-U-L-E, was the speaker David is a futurist. This guy is brilliant. He consults 
with companies and countries on what the future is going to bring. He says the decade that began with 2020 is going to be the most disruptive decade in human history. And he talked about things like the fact that the, the invention that had changed our world more than anything, it was electricity. I mean, nothing has come close to that in terms of how much of an effect that it had. He said AI, artificial intelligence, that's coming right now, is going to have more effect on our lives than electricity did. When you think about, my goodness, I mean, to think about, you can put a, a headset on and just be thinking thoughts and your computer will start doing the things that you're thinking. The fact that we have autonomous cars, no drivers that can come pick you up and take you where you want to go. I mean, artificial intelligence is going to be a big, big deal. But now I ask him, he talked about legacy thinking, meaning expecting history to be what continues to predict, you know, what our future is. Now he says that we should be the parents of our future rather than the offspring of our past. That's pretty interesting. We should be the parents of our future rather than the offspring of our past. I asked David, I said, with universities being repositories of legacy thinking, you know, they have history of what we've done, how things have been done, and that's what they teach. I said, with universities being repositories of legacy thinking, how can they remain relevant in this rapidly changing world? He had a two-word response, they can't. And how he went on from there. He says college is increasingly irrelevant because it's so easy to get information and it's becoming cheaper and cheaper every day to get information. I mean, there are kids right now who are paying $50,000 to Harvard and they're doing online training. I mean, how ridiculous is that when you really think about it? Are you serious to just sit in their computer and watch somebody teach? You can select the brightest people in the world to teach their area of expertise and you can get it for free. You know, it just, the whole model doesn't work anymore. Now, again, if your son chooses to go back, then recognize the reasons for that. There can be reasons for it. It can be for the social connections. It could be to be involved in sports. There's a whole lot of reasons that may make sense. But if you're just really trying to follow where careers are going, where business and ideas are going, colleges and universities are probably not going to be the place that you get that. Things are changing too rapidly. David, again, says that this futurist says the two words that we need to have at the top of our radar for where we are right now, adaptive and resilient. Those are the two words that are going to define if we're going to be relevant and moving forward, adaptive and resilient. Well, hey, thanks for your questions. Again, shoot those in to askdan at 48days.com. Um, we do have, we've got a page set up for you if you want to just explore the Think and Grow Rich book study. I mean, this is any, any of you, any of you can go there, whether you're a member of Eagles or not. You can go to 48dayseagles.com slash book study. Yes, we made it easy, 48 days. Com. Well, actually, you can just go to 48days.com, Sheila says, slash book study. 48days.com slash book study. And check that out. See what we're going to do. I'm really excited about that. We're going to be going through the 13 steps 
that are laid out and think and grow rich. They embrace a whole lot of what I've been talking about the last few months, or especially during this holiday transition period. I'd love to have you join us for that. Starting January 25th, the first one, desire. We talk about that. What does it mean to have a, a burning desire? What's it going to look like? Well, your quotation for today, remember that? Beginning to weave, begin to weave, and God will give you the thread. Get in the game. This is the time. My word for this year is initiate. Not to sit on the sidelines, not to just coast on past successes, but to be deciding what I want the future to be and moving toward that instead. Well, I know you're doing the same. Golly. I love interacting with you, hearing your questions, seeing the things that you're sharing in terms of successes, seeing how you're drawing on the brain trust that we have, where there are resources for anything you can possibly want to achieve. Resources are ready there. If you decide, you decide to move in that direction, create a plan and execute, you can do amazing things this year. Well, don't get stuck in that J-O-B like the music's playing here, but thanks for being part of this community where we know that without a shadow of a doubt, we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and wait for it, here it comes, and profitable. You know it's there. You know that's what I believe. Have a great week.